Dr. Pamela Larde, and this is The Joy Whisperer, where we explore the practice and the science of joy as a catalyst for our resilience, our relationships, our resistance, and our restoration. Today, we'll be talking about embracing our transformative power. Sometimes we forget the power that exists within us and what we are actually capable of achieving especially when there are so many challenges that seem to hit us on an everyday basis. So we're going to be looking at this from the standpoint of three truths. Truth number one, don't give away your power. Truth number two, identify where your power lies. And truth number three, celebrate the power and the strength of others. So get ready, take notes, and let the Joy Whisperer begin. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. Honey, what I think you need is a socket wrench. I played JV basketball. I'm sorry. I don't think it looks right. This is good, and it's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. <laughs> I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. the joy whisperer. Now with every one of our conversations, I want to bring in a theory that really serves as the foundation for everything we're going to be talking about that particular day. So today's theory to live by is self-determination theory established by Ryan and Desi. And really what they identify here is what it takes in order for us to remain motivated and determined to accomplish whatever it is that we are seeking to accomplish, um, to push through every single day. And in order for us to remain determined people, Ryan and Desi tell us that we need three psychological needs to be fulfilled. And those psychological needs include autonomy, relatedness, and competence. The autonomy to be able to move around and make decisions and um, create in our lives as we you know, see fit. Nobody's dictating this for us. Our relatedness is really the connections that we have with other people. And so the idea that we actually 
need connection with people in order to remain determined and motivated um, is is actually quite telling in terms of, you know, can I do this alone um, or do I actually need people in partnership with me? And so according to Ryan and Desi, yes, we absolutely do. And then the third one, competence, is that sense that I know I can accomplish this thing. Um, I know that I have what it takes. I have the ability. And so I have this sense of being competent enough to move forward and do the things that I aspire to do. So really these three elements here um, are what enables us to remain motivated. And it's up to us to pay attention to whether or not those three elements are, um, are fulfilled in our lives. One thing about me is if somebody comes at me with their anger or their pain, what I'm not going to do is match their energy. That would be giving away my power. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to dictate the energy in the room. It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. So for me, I think it's good. I have a really good friend. She always is there to remind me, well, why did you, you know, write this goal down? Why did you set this as a goal? And it always makes me remember, you know, why am I doing this in the first place? What am I trying to achieve? What do I want from this? And that reminder helps me to keep pushing through. Also, I am um, I'm a virtual, uh, visual learner. Um, if you come to my office, you'll see I have diagrams everywhere. That's just how I learn, that's how I process things. And for some reason, I haven't been as visual with my personal goals, whether it's, you know, household, whether it's personal, like career goals outside of the job, and maybe adventures I wanna do on my own or, you know, just weight goals, marriage goals, anything could be, I'm not as visual. Um, and I should be because, you know, when you write that down and you see it and you kind of map out how you're going to get there, when times get tough, you can always go back to that reference and see where you are on that map. So I, I, I encourage you to always remember why you started this path and also to have a map of how to get there. away your power. Now there's a lot of talk these days about, you know, matching energy, particularly memes, of course. Um, but they'll really prompt us to into this belief of if somebody comes at us some way, we're going to come at them the same way. We're going to match their energy. And what we do when we do things like matching energy, so to speak, is we are giving away our power because the energy and the joy that we bring to a situation is the thing that we can control. What we can't control is what somebody else brings to a situation. And so if we've decided that we are going to match whatever kind of energy they bring, we have given their power to them. We are giving them control over our own mood, our responses, and how we want to carry ourselves in any particular situation. Uh, I wonder if we ever really think about that when we see um, sayings and posts and memes like that, um, that emphasize responding to other people the way that they respond to us. Don't give away your power. It's important to be internally affirmed as opposed to externally affirmed. And, and that external aff affirmation seeks to bring in the perspectives, the experiences, the feelings of other people, and to own that as our own 
and make decisions based on that. And, and just the thought of it alone is, um, you know, it, it, to me, why would I do that? Why would I want somebody else's energy to dictate the way that I respond? So don't give away your power. Now, going back to uh, self-determination theory, I, I want to point out the ways in which we lose our determination, really, and, and what that does is that it, it's, it's, we're being drained of our power when we do that, when it happens. And if we're not aware that it's happening, then we really won't have the strategy, the wherewithal to do something about it. So my attempt here is to, to show you how this might happen, how that power may be seeping out of us and we don't even know it. So again, according to Desi and Ryan, we are born determined. We are born motivated. From the moment that we are you know, being carried in our mother's womb, we are doing whatever it takes to survive, to grow, um, to push back, to fight, whatever it is that we have to do to survive. And when it's time to be born, if we're born in a natural sense, we're going to do whatever it takes to help with that process. Um, also, as we are, when we're first born and the first thing we do is scream, um, we cry for you know whatever we're feeling, if we are hungry, if we're in pain, if we're tired, we express that because we're motivated to get whatever it is that we need. And as long as we are nurtured with the three psychological needs, we maintain that level of motivation that we had at birth. Think about a child that's trying to walk. Um, they may fall, they may struggle, but they keep trying until they get it. Now, what tears away at our motivation, and self-determination and motivation are interchangeable here, but what tears away at that is when we start to lose a sense of competence, a sense of autonomy, a sense of relatedness. So we may have had a childhood, even if we had a childhood in which all three of those were wildly prepared or taken care of, no lack in any of those areas. What happens when we enter adulthood, we may not experience the same level of protection that we may have you know, experienced as a child. So... For example, as soon as I hit adulthood, that's where the, the, the traumatic experiences began to happen. That's where the heartbreak experiences began to happen. That's where the, the questions about you know, whether or not I am capable of accomplishing X, Y, and Z from external forces, from people outside of me, started to kick in. Life experiences like divorce, like financial struggles, all of those things chip away at our psychological needs. So as we become adults, there are different life events that happen that can really chip away at those three psychological needs that are necessary for our determination. So for example, if we are experiencing a really difficult and toxic work environment, that might jeopardize our sense of relatedness to other people. If we are experiencing financial hardship and we're struggling to pay the bills or like right now, gas prices are through the roof, it may uh, impact our sense of autonomy and ability to move in the world the way that we would like to. And if we experience people who are doubting who we are based on our identity and different social justice 
um, disparities that exist, we may question our own competence. So it's important for us to know when those things are jeopardized so that we can build it up actively and intentionally. More of the Joy Whisperer coming up. You need to do something to feel okay to drive. You're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed. If you love them enough to drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Throw that ball, Diane. Woo! You got this. It was an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. One of the most common ways that we give away our power is by placing more value on external affirmation than the internal affirmation. And I was having a conversation with a colleague who is also a coach earlier this week, and we were talking about this idea of perfectionism versus excellence and really what's happening when we are pushing for perfection, when we're putting all of that pressure on ourselves to perform perfectly, to engage perfectly, to speak perfectly. And really where that comes from, and I have to give her credit for this, this is Dr. Melissa Hankins. And what she was saying is that when we are focusing in on trying to be perfect and meeting those marks of perfection, we are really fo focused heavily on external affirmation. We want to make sure that we are getting the approval of other people and that we are allowing their standards to dictate the way we interpret our performance, the way we even interpret our very presence in a particular situation. So what we're doing is we are giving them our power. We are giving them the power to determine our worth, 
to determine um, what we are bringing to the table and whether or not that's valuable, whether or not that was done well. When instead we are, when we are honing in on our power, we are much better off by allowing excellence to be our measure for the what you know for what we bring to the table for the performance that we engage in. So, what is excellence? Excellence is your own standard, your own set of values to determine how you come to the table in your best self. So, it is centered within. It is an internal form of affirmation that is solely based on how you have determined um, you want to be and how you want to show up. It really brings your power back because it's not related to the views and the perspectives and the standards of others. Now, do those perspectives of others matter? Yes. One of the things that I said, and I want to emphasize that again, is it's where we place greater value. If we are placing greater value on the perspectives of others, then we are really doing this. There's a, there's a concept called approval syndrome. And what we're really doing is we are relying on their approval of other people. And therefore, our energy and our motivation, um, our source of power all comes from the outside. But if we place more value on the internal affirmation, on what's important to us and our excellence and, and elements such as that, we are then placing more value on ourselves and what we bring to the table. And so it's not wrong for us to value both, but let's think about the, the balance of that value. Let's think about where we are putting most of our value. And when we're putting most of our value in more outer centered type um, feedback and approval, then our, our balance of power is diminished greatly. So if we instead think about the inner centered um, source of power, then we are able to raise that scale on our side a bit so that we are not so um, dependent upon what other people say. So this idea of excellence versus perfection has an, impa an impactful um it, well, it impacts our responses to certain situations. It impacts our performance. If we're focused on that perfection, it puts the level of pr uh, pressure on ourselves that causes us to perform more poorly. I don't know how many of you have heard of stereotype threat, but it's this idea that we walk into a situation and because whatever identity we're presenting, the stereotypes of that identity prevails in that situation. So because I am a black woman, what are the stereotypes against black women being able to perform in this particular situation, like test taking, for example? That fear of, of how I'm being stereotyped alone can cause my performance to suffer. So when we again internalize and allow our excellence to lead us and what we've been taught and what's within us, then it can result in much better performance. There is power in joy, and this week's joy gear is actually a book, Letters to the Brokenhearted. Now with any journey that we embark upon, we need the right tools to help us get through that journey. And in this case, my book, Letters to the Brokenhearted, will do exactly that. Check it out on our website, thejoywhisperer.org, 
and look at the Joy Whisperer Apparel Store. And while it is not clothing, it is definitely the right accessory that you'll need when navigating through some of the highs and lows in life. And the best part is that we have a new makeover. The book has been redesigned to match the Japanese Kintsugi tradition of healing after pain or broken heart. So go to the joywhisperer.org, visit the store, and get your Letters to the Brokenhearted copy today. STEM is the discipline of hard numbers, precise, no margin for error. Dare to forget that. Dare to have fun with it. Get weird with it. Dare to get messy or just mess it up. Dare to program something internet breaking, record breaking. Dare to blow their minds. Dare to try. Dare to fail. Dare to keep daring. Dare to learn the difference between organic, sedimentary, and non-foliated metamorphic rock. Get outside. Find those rocks. Dare to be homeroom famous, a high school fable. Dare to send those old STEM theories flying past the neighbor's house into outer space. And for the love of STEM, dare bigger. Dare to code, dare to invent, dare to explore, dare to STEM. Check out She Can STEM to get started. Hmm, maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes! Sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunting. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. If you love them enough to drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. The goal I'm trying to achieve is really hard. I make sure that I'm spiritually grounded. For me, that means making sure that I'm consistently praying, reflecting, meditating, and reading for inspiration. Also, I ask myself, what resources do I need in this moment? Do I need to contact a mentor or somebody who has accomplished this goal or a similar goal before me? I ask myself, what professional or personal development do I need to engage in? And lastly, I make sure I'm doing that positive self-talk and writing down words of affirmation. Welcome back to The Joy Whisperer. I'm Dr. Pamela, and today what we're talking about is that transformative power that lives within us. And truth number two is identifying where our power lies. One of the most, I think, effective questions that I ask clients when I'm coaching them is, where is your power in this situation? I recall a time where I was coaching a young lady who was interested in starting her own business. And she kept facing barriers and challenges along the way. And what I began to sense without her specifically saying it was that her spouse was one of those huge barriers for her. Um, so every time she would 
have an idea and try to move forward with it. Um, you know, he would create friction. He would start fights. Um, he would make it incredibly difficult for her to just even keep her mind focused enough to move forward with that. And every time she would come to one of our sessions, uh, there were, you know, a lot of reasons why she wasn't able to accomplish the goals that we had set in the previous session. And so it became really difficult for her to move forward. And in fact, she eventually um, stopped coming because she wasn't making any progress and she wasn't, um, I guess, ready to do what needed to be done to, to move forward with her goals. So, and I know in some of those sessions, what I asked her is, where is your power in this situation? Where is your power in this situation? I know that there's a lot of ways in which you're feeling like you're not autonomous. Um, you know, the marriage that you're in makes it really difficult for you to move about the way you would like to. So where are those small moments and those small pockets of space where you feel your power and you can actually accomplish something. And it gave her a lot to think about. And she had some really profound ideas about, you know, if nothing else, I can breathe. Like if there's nothing else I can do today, I can take a breath and I can replenish myself in that way. And sometimes that's where people need to start. We have to realize that it's not always about the, the great strides that we can take. Sometimes they're small, they're incremental, and they're life-saving. So in her case, she put a hold or put a stop on the, the progress to her business. She put a halt on the coaching, and she took the time to do the work from the standpoint of where her power was. Now, in her case, she ended up leaving the marriage. Um, and not that that is the recommendation for every situation, but for her particular situation, that was what she needed to do. And she needed to take the time to resolve the barriers and the blocks that were keeping her from living her full self and from pursuing her dream. So once she was able to take care of the barriers and the blocks and using the, the little places where she could find her power to do so, once she was able to do that, she positioned herself to move forward with her goals and move forward with her dreams. And then because she had been practicing, you know, honing in on her power in small ways all along, once she came to a place where she felt fully autonomous, she was able to fully step into her power and is now running her business and is now thriving um, with the, the very things that she envisioned for herself and for her life. So the, the, the answers and the solutions are going to be very different for, for everyone. And this is one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to have creative solutions and to be willing to look at our own situation and think about what needs to be done specifically for me based on my values so that I can do what I need to do to make sure I have the autonomy, make sure I feel a sense of competence, and make sure I have the relatedness, meaning the people around me that can support whatever it is I'm trying to do. And so one key to that is to master some self-coaching skills. Now, whether or not you actually have a coach, and I highly recommend that if you are looking to step forward with some of the, the goals that you have, Sometimes, you know, we're not in the presence of other people. Sometimes we have to 
pull out some of those tools ourselves and do some self-talk and affirm ourselves and ask ourselves powerful questions about what are we doing and how are we getting there? And one of those powerful questions is where is your power? More of the Joy Whisperer coming up. It's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. It's an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Thank you. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. One of the elements around this idea of joy um, that I've identified is the state of joy. And I talk about there's a lot of different ways that we can bring forth our joy and create a joyful situation. And this just means that I am embodying what it means to live in joy despite you know what's happening in my life. And so that I'm intentional about it to make sure that I bring it in. So how do you enable your state of joy to become a source of power for you? Really, when you have a joyful disposition and you're able to allow that to rise above regard, you know, anything that's going on in your life, you're able to move forth in a sense of power because you have chosen the disposition, the perception that you're going to take in any given situation. So how do you create that state of joy? I have four particular ways that I, I like to help people think about you know, you know, strategy, how to strategize around creating that state of joy. So the first one is being intentional about what you appreciate in life. 
um, really experiencing the wholeness and the fullness of life and paying attention to that and recognizing those things, calling those things out. The idea of walking in that gratitude on a daily basis. So even if it's, you know, I do not like the cold. I am a California girl born and raised, even though I've been in Georgia for 11 years, I still claim the warmth of Southern California. So when we come to the the winter months, even when I was living in Wisconsin, that was really difficult for me. It was quite the adjustment. And the best way for me to get through that is to pay attention to the beauty that surrounded me, to pay attention to those things that I'm grateful for. It's too easy to just focus in on what we don't like and to bemoan life every day that we have to step out into that coldness. But for me, um, especially now, having to walk a dog in the, in, the, in the frigid temperatures, I've had to find ways to change my perception and choose to focus in on the beauty and the greatness of, of that time of year. And, and I have, I have been able to find several different ways to do that, um, especially in those rare days that we might you know, receive snow here in Georgia, uh, being able to focus in on the beauty of that. Um, and so finding ways to be very intentional about the, the different areas of life that you experience that are beautiful, that bring gratitude, that you are um, grateful um, exists. And so just thinking about that and not taking it for granted. The second way is to find the positive spin in challenging situations. Now, this is not to say that we're going to ignore the challenge of those situations, that we're going to pretend that we're not brought down or that they don't create anxiety in us. Let's acknowledge that by all means, but let's also balance that out with looking for the positive spin in a situation. We don't want to do all gloom and doom, and we don't want to do all rosy gozy happy go lucky. <laughs> we want to make sure that we are actually giving the situation a fair look, that we're looking at the pros and the cons, that we're looking at the highs and the lows. When we're facing difficulty, it is so easy to only focus on the lows. And our brains naturally do this because it's a defense mechanism to say, where's the danger? Where's the danger? I'm going to focus on the danger. Which means we have to intentionally bring in the positive side because our brain doesn't naturally gravitate to that because we don't need protection from the positive side. So we have to intentionally focus in on pay, and pay attention to those things. So that's the second way to create a state of joy within yourselves. The third way is to bring in and integrate and speak the language of joy by filling your space with those words and those sounds. And um, this can be with music. It can be visual. It can be audio. It can be artistic. My house is full of inspirational images and art as a way of speaking the language of joy. And finally, address negative internal and external dialogue. What are you saying to yourself inside? What are those voices inside saying to you? Address that and those voices outside as well. So you bring in those four elements and that's how you create a state of joy. Do you ever find yourself overcome with a fear of failure? When we come back, we're gonna tackle the notion of perfectionism and look at how we can think a bit differently.
most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Honey, what I think you need is a socket wrench. I played JV basketball. I'm sorry. I don't think it looks right. This is good, and it's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. Thank you. Thank you. How do I overcome the fear of failure? That's such a good question because especially in the high stress, high pressure society that we are living in, there are a lot of people who are afraid of failure or terrified of failure and really perform so that they don't fail rather than perform towards excellence or perform towards um, doing well. Now, I, I had a friend of mine who referred a book to me and um, she said that she's reading it and it really struck her. And there's a part she told me about that I want to share. The book is called How Women Rise by Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith. And there's a part of the book where they talk about the differences between men and women in terms of their uh, mindset toward performance. And what they said is that um, many of the women that they studied focus in on the details a lot. And, you know, when they're getting ready to, you know, when they're preparing for a presentation or something like that, that they, they are really worried and have a lot of anxiety about every detail, making sure that it's perfect, making sure that, that every I is dotted and every T is crossed in that process. And that level of anxiety really pushes them to, um, you know, of course it's driven by that external approval of the people who are watching them. And so they are really sort of emotionally and mentally bogged down with the stress of whether or not they can perform well. What they found from men is that men actually are not bogged down with all of those details. They go into these kinds of situations a bit more relaxed, and they go in thinking that my presence is enough. My presence is going to do the work. So even if I um, mess up somewhere, or and, and, and mess up really isn't even the way that it's perceived. It's perceived as, well, you know, even if things don't go as I planned, even if I don't cover everything I was going to cover in the way that I was going to cover it, it's going to be fine because my presence is what there, you know, is what's doing the work. It's not the, the detail. And 
I, I found that so profoundly interesting because when we are overcome with a fear of failure, it's because we are bogged down with this idea of perfection and making sure that every single detail is in tip-top shape and is absolutely perfect. But what we're missing when we do that is our presence and the excellence of our presence and what we as human beings are bringing to the table in that moment. And I want you to think about this idea of being enough. And we've heard this a lot. There's quotes all over the place that says, I am enough. You are enough. But what does that really mean? Is that accurate? I mean, if you are, you know, presenting or performing for somebody, is just you being there enough? I think that it's all about the wholeness of what you bring to the table and knowing that and being sure of that and stepping into that because that is the energy that other people will pick up from you. If instead they see somebody who is timid and nervous and terrified of the information they're putting forth, that is going to stand out and scream much more loudly than the information that you're offering. Now, let's say that you do present your best self and you do perform in what you see as excellent, but it still doesn't meet the mark of expectations, um, let's say, to pass that test, to get through that exam, to do whatever it is that you need to do to proceed to the next level. There's no failure. There are lessons. So we take that experience. We learn from that experience. We still honor the whole of ourselves, and we apply what we've learned to the next opportunity that presents itself. When things are not working out the way that we'd like them to work out, it's okay for us to look at that situation and make a decision about what might need to change, and even, is this the direction that I need to be taking? That's a brave question to ask, because of especially when we put a lot of work into something, we don't necessarily want to let it go. But if we're bringing the whole of ourselves to the table and we are performing in excellence, there is no failure. There are only lessons. It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. I say, number one, keep God first because he knows the period at the end of your sentence. He made everything and he knows how it's going to end. Also remain organized. Keep notes, do checklists, do whatever you have to do. Keep a calendar, but hold yourself accountable with those steps and celebrate, celebrate, celebrate those incremental wins. And then finally, if no one else holds you accountable, you hold yourself accountable, okay? Keep God first, remain organized, push through no matter what, and know, just always remember, you win. Welcome back. Truth number three is inspired by the wise words of Desmond Tutu. He says, my humanity is bound up in yours, for we can only be human together. So profound, because without each other, we really don't get to experience what it means to be human. We don't get the full human experience if we're in isolation. I wonder how often we think about that how valuable it is to have our connections, to have the people around us. And especially when the people around us celebrate the joys and the power and the strengths that live within us. 
that affirmation only helps to bring it out even more. And so being able to celebrate the power and and the strength of others really enables us to find places of joy that doesn't, you know, it doesn't even have to be about what we've done, what we say, and whether or not things are going great in our lives. It's, it's sort of like that idea of gratitude. How do we search for and, and bring in those things, those external things, the things, the beauty of life, the things that we can appreciate um, as as a way of honing in on another experience of joy. So we do that also when we celebrate the strengths and the, and the power of others. It's not, ideally, it's not a competition. It's not about, um, you know, who's better and why I don't feel worthy, why I don't measure up. It's not about that. It's about collaboration. We are so much better. We're so much stronger. We get so much more done when we do this together, when we engage in a human experience together. And I think too often we, we, at least we come across people who are intimidated by the power that might exist within us. And so they find ways to suppress that power. Bell Hooks said it really well, and I don't have the exact wording, but what she essentially was saying is that sometimes people will be intimidated by that power that you show. And so they do everything in their power to stifle it. They, they use their power in a way that suppresses, but they will do everything they can to silence you, to exclude you, to diminish you and your value because they see that power that lives in you. And they are fearful that that power is something that is going to harm them or suppress them. What's interesting is if you think about the root of that, it's fear. It's a fear of somebody else's ability to excel and to exceed and and to shine brighter than them. And when that fear is the root of the behavior, it it really can create tension and um, a break in connection, a break in relationship, and they're isolating themselves from that opportunity for human connection. And, and they're also doing the work to try to isolate and suppress other people. So it's a place of pain. It's a place of fear. It's a place of feeling inadequate. And, and the reason why I highlight this is because I want you to think about people that may have done this to you, people who have actively tried to stifle your voice, stifle your power, and, and the level of, you know, disappointment or resentment that we might feel, the lack of safety that we may feel in their presence. I want us to think about how we can reframe that experience from the standpoint of joy. How can we look at that from a joyful standpoint? We can do that by allowing our perceptions to change. So instead of looking at it from the standpoint of this person is trying to suppress me and hold me back. I can't trust them. I don't like them. I want revenge. I want to shut them out of my life. Instead of thinking about it from the from a, a negative protective point of view, this is where I say we don't match their energy. We instead choose a different perception and we say, you know what? They are coming from a place of fear. 
they are coming from a place of feeling inadequate. They are coming from a place of lack. And I have compassion for that experience. And how do you respond to somebody differently? And how much more power does that give you when you choose compassion over revenge or matching energy? So I want us to think about that. Celebrate the power and the strength of others, but also be willing to have compassion for people who are struggling in those areas. Now we are all guilty of snapping at people. Did you know that snapping at somebody is a sign that we just may not feel safe? When we come back, we're gonna look at what causes us to snap at people and how we can change our responses. More of the Joy Whisperer coming up. If you love them enough to drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process and most importantly you have instructors that bring real-life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes! Sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunting. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. Another response to somebody showing us their power, in, instead of celebrating their power, we can actually feel threatened and snap back. And of course, we've all done it. We've had moments where we have felt threatened for one reason or another. And our response to the people around us when we're feeling high levels of anxiety, fear, or stress is to snap back at them. And while that might have felt good and has given us the release that we needed in the moment, it may not be the most productive way to communicate with another person. So I'm diving into this idea of snapping back at people to give us a little perspective in terms of why we might do it. And if you think about just the way nature operates in general, um, there are different um, elements in nature, of course. And, and when we look at the plants and the stimuli and the trees, you know, they respond naturally to stimuli just based on what happens to them. If something um, harms them or, you know, jeopardizes their safety, there are natural elements that exist to protect themselves from that. And this is 
what happens without thinking, without processing, um, but they just, it's just an automatic response. As human beings, we have the extra advantage of uh, intellect, of being able to process our responses to different situations. But when we are reacting just based on our pure nature, without activating that intellect, we snap back. We are not necessarily taking the time to consider what could be the best way to resolve this situation. And I'm sure that there are situations that we can all name in which snapping back has its place. If we are specifically not feeling safe, somebody jumps at us on the street and we snap back at them, yes, that is definitely a response that might have been warranted in that time. But if you think about that scenario that I just pointed out, somebody jumps out us out at us and we snap back, that's a response to protect ourselves. That's a response out of fear. So in an everyday conversation, in a team meeting, in an interaction with family members, engaging with our kids or our spouses, when we snap back at them, there is a level of fear or discomfort or anxiety that's going on in us that is saying, I need to be protected in this moment. And so it is a self-protective measure. Um, and so when this happens, and I want you to think about how, what's, what's happening in that moment that's making me feel unsafe. What is it here that's causing me to just automatically and with a knee-jerk reaction protect myself? And because this is not always a conscious thing, because sometimes we're just angry and we just snap at somebody, we might not really understand the connection between the fear, the anxiety, and the need for protection that's happening in that particular moment. So when we start to unpack some of those situations and say, you know what, okay, what was it in that situation that caused me that caused me to lash out? That caused me to shut someone down. Um, maybe there was a source of power or a level of power that they were demonstrating that didn't set well with you. What was going on in that particular situation? And and when we are able to sort of back up and take a moment and think about what's going on to you know with us in that situation it helps us to better curate our responses next time around now like i said there are situations that you may be able to very soundly argue that you know what no this situation warrants me to snap back this situation warrants me to to respond with my natural inclination to protect myself and in those cases I wouldn't even venture to argue with you about that because that is we do need to make those decisions on our own we do have situations in which it is imperative for us to protect ourselves for us to do what is necessary to make sure we're safe but we have to distinguish those situations from situations in which we're actually quite safe but our internal alarms went off without any warning, without us really being in control and processing why we're responding the way we're responding. So we, we need to be able to differentiate the two. When am I actually in danger versus why am I responding you know, based on a trauma or a fear or something that I've experienced in the past? 
So remember, when you're snapping back at people, when you're having a bad day, sometimes it's not just about having a bad day. Sometimes it's a little deeper. And I encourage you to dig deeply to find out why. It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. I allow myself space and grace, right? Because we know space and grace, they go together to not only identify what I'm feeling. So not only to identify and acknowledge my feelings, but to also sit in them with intention for as long as I need. And that's not going to be forever, right? Because once I know what I'm feeling, choosing to allow myself or to afford myself adequate time to experience the emotion, it frees me up to then move through them and then pass them. How is joy sustained in your life? Contact us at Whispering Joy on IG and get the details on how you can be a part of the show. This week's gift to myself was actually something I really love to do, and I haven't been able to do it very often because of COVID and the pandemic. But I, instead of working from home and sitting at my desk, I actually packed up my stuff, drove downtown, and parked myself at a hotel lobby that um, has a great environment, great ambiance, and great energy. Um, So I love to sit and work in public places because for me, it fuels my energy and it keeps me um, stimulated as I am doing creative work or working through task lists, even if I'm sitting in a meeting. So for this particular week, I found my one of my favorite hotel spots. And, um, and this place in particular has a nice little, you know, workstation, private with a TV, but it's public enough to still catch eye contact with people who walk by and really take in the energy of the space. I tend to work a lot better when I get myself out of my regular environments especially when I'm falling into a pattern of monotony. And my house, as much as I love it, has become a pattern of monotony. And so it's too easy for me to crawl over to the couch and take one of my infamous naps. (laughs) It's just refreshing to find a new environment, new people, new places to take in that energy and to really put out whatever it is that you are trying to accomplish in that particular time. The point of it all, our energy is contagious. We have the power to transform and we can either use that power for positive change or we can use it to tear other people down, to defeat others, to win in ways that leaves us on the winner's circle by ourselves. So think about how you want to use your power just this week, today, because you do have the power within you. So I want to thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Joy Whisperer. I want you to join the conversation throughout the week by getting onto my social media on LinkedIn and Instagram. And also join me every Thursday right here on the Sensation Station Network TV Roku channel at noon Eastern time. And remember, joy is your best energy source for your resilience, your resistance, your relationships, and your restoration. Have an amazing day.
There's more to come on SSN TV, television, all the way up.